You're listening to the IQVIA podcast, where we discuss ways to drive innovation in healthcare. Welcome back to the second episode um, in our podcast series uh, about the latest Launch Excellence paper, Launch Excellence 8. My name is Kirsty Scott. I'm one of the authors of Launch Excellence 8, and I'm joined by Sarah Rickwood, who is the VP of the EMEA Thought Leadership Team and has been working on Launch Excellence for uh, decades now. So uh, thanks for joining us, Sarah. Can you remind us um, of the top line findings of the paper um, and some of the things that we, that we um, found this year? Thank you, Kirsty. So with Launch Excellence, we're always looking at the way that the environment impacts on launch performance and what companies can do to address that environment in order to have outstanding launches. And as you outlined in the um, previous podcast, the environment um, for innovative prescription medicine launches in the eight markets that um, account for the majority of um, prescription launch sales in the first five years, so that's the US top five Europe, Japan and China, um, has deteriorated um, significantly since 2020. And you can really see that in the sales performance um, of innovative prescription medicine launches, because um, on average, um, the median um, first six months sales of launches that happened in 2020, 2021 and the first half of 2022 is um, down by some 17% on um, the equivalent pre-pandemic launches. This is a real tangible challenge and it's um, pervasive because we're seeing these challenges across all of the eight markets. Um, And um, it's um, also, it's environmental. Um, And it's about things that happened um, to health systems um, during the pandemic um, that really affects the introduction of innovative new launches. Um, There's three environmental factors, um, really. Um, The first is about the availability of patients um, for a new launch, coming forward um, for diagnosis and treatment um, with the new launch. And of course, um, they may be at the end of a pretty long patient journey um, by the time they get um, that innovative new launch, because it might be that they've been treated with several products before there may be a really challenging diagnostic journey. Um, And actually, patient journeys have anyway become more complex as more of the launches that we see are specialty um, launches. But because of the pandemic, um, health systems were really challenged um, during the early part of the pandemic um, because, of course, they pivoted focusing on COVID. Um, And they're still challenged um, because in the end, Uh, We still have massive backlogs of treatment um, for many key areas, um, even areas where patients really can't wait like um, cancer treatment. What that's done is it's reduced patient pools for many new launches because patients aren't being diagnosed as fast. They're not being moved to the next step in the care pathway um, as rapidly. um, And so they're simply aren't, in many cases, um, as many available patients for new launches. Then another really important thing for um, launching a product is um, for the pharmaceutical company behind that launch to be able to engage really 
uh, meaningfully engage with healthcare professionals about the launch to educate them, answer their questions, um, understand their concerns, get their feedback. And that's going to be about interactive engagement between um, the company and the healthcare professional. Um, and as you mentioned in the last episode, Kirsty, the fact of the matter is, if you look at the um, promotional audits that IQVIA has and you zero in on the um, interactive engagements that are either face-to-face or remote interactive engagements, so including both of those, um, we see two pretty challenging things, which is, first off, um, across all markets with the exception of the US, whether it's a launch or it's not a launch, there's just a lower volume of those interactive engagement opportunities um, out there since the pandemic. Um, secondly, if you zero in on launches um, and compare the launches pre-pandemic to the launches post-pandemic, then in six out of the eight key countries, um, there's just lower interactive opportunities um, for the launches. And the exceptions there are actually the US um, and um, Germany. Um, so that means that in most countries for the launch product, the company launching the product's just going to have less opportunity to interact with healthcare professionals. And it doesn't matter whether it's face-to-face or um, remote than they would have had prior to the pandemic. And that's a loss uh, because um, that is vitally important um, for the launch. And the last thing um, that has changed in the environment is, is pretty obvious, really, which is that um, healthcare system budgets um, are really challenged right now um, because of the um, huge funds that went to um, rightly address um, the COVID um, pandemic. Um, but also um, actually because of the ongoing economic crises and cost of living crises that we're seeing um, across the world at the moment. Um, and if um, healthcare budgets are constrained, um, the budgets for innovative medicines will be constrained as well. Um, and the bar um, that health technology assessors and payers um, are putting on launches in terms of evidence of benefit, well, that's going to rise. Um, course. So you've got these three environmental challenges. Yeah, thanks. That was a really good summary of the three pillars of post-pandemic launch excellence, um, which we know are three areas where it's become even more important for for companies with launches to focus on um, in this more challenging environment. So I think one of the key messages of this paper that's different um, to what we had um, in the three pillars is really the increased importance of health system readiness. Um, for new launches. So why is this becoming more important um, for new launches? Well, you're absolutely right. Um, And it's something that I think expands that first pillar, which was about understanding the patient journey and understanding how you can um, access the patients for your launch. Um, And in fact, when we reflected on this, um, we realised that um, pressure had been building up in the system Um, with respect to this issue for some period of time before the pandemic. Um, And then the pandemic really exacerbated it. Because um, if we think about the evolution of launches um, over the last decade or so, they've become a lot more specialist. Um, And um, even in the specialty um, area of the prescription medicine market, um, they're more ultra-specialist. And um, these products... 
Um, when they're introduced into healthcare systems, they place demands on healthcare systems. If we think about um, oncology products, um, they require companion diagnostics to identify the patients that are going to benefit um, from those products. If we um, go to cell therapies or gene therapies, you require very specialized um, facilities and training and logistical organization um, to have that therapy uh, be used and delivered um, effectively. Um, and of course, um, the budgets um, are challenged by um, new innovation that um, is bringing great benefit, um, but also um, at um, a price um, in both the specialty area, but also if we um, think about what may happen um, in areas such as cardiometabolism um, and CNS, um, new innovations are coming in that will be for very large patient populations, um, and that will bring um, an unprecedented budgetary challenge too. So that was already happening. Basically, the launches that came in made bigger demands on healthcare systems. And healthcare systems probably anyway weren't keeping up with that, either from a budgetary perspective or a capacity and organisational perspective. But of course, what happened during the pandemic is we suddenly got um, this huge challenge to healthcare system capacity, and it's led to multiple things. It's led to burnout and quitting of healthcare professionals. Um, it's diverted um, resources um, away um, from um, standard healthcare capacity um, to the pandemic. It's moved um, more of patients' care to being remote care, which has many advantages, but frankly, um, it also has challenges as well. Um, and to me, um, what's happening right now is there is an increasing gap between um, the um, demands that the new launches coming in um, make on healthcare systems in terms of um, capacity um, and budget and the ability of those healthcare systems um, to address that. Um, so I think that that has quite a profound significance when we think about the expansion of the um, um, the first of the three pillars. Yeah, I think that's a really important observation um, because ultimately, if, if health systems aren't able to utilise um, these new launches, then um, companies really need to be thinking about how they can help healthcare systems um, at this time. And if I think back to the last podcast uh, where we spoke about the six-month window, which really says how important it is to get your pre-launch preparation right and how important it is to get it right or your launch right the first time, um, what do we think companies can actually be doing um, in order to effectively prepare for their launch and address this, this healthcare system challenge? Yeah, it's a profoundly important point. Um, thanks, Kirsty. Um, we've always advocated um, for earlier um, preparation um, in greater depth, which always causes attention in pharma companies because, of course, um, they're also at the country level having to deliver on the here and now with their existing um, portfolios. So there's um, a tension between maybe what a launch requires in terms of early investment and um, preparation um, and what's possible um, in a country. But I think that um, the direction of travel is still to increasing importance of even earlier, broader preparation um, for launches to drive real launch success. And that's because um, it's now imperative that um, companies help support the preparation 
of um, healthcare systems to be able to optimally use um, the launch when it comes in. Um, and that involves a number of functions. Medical affairs, for example, um, is by no means new in pharma. Um, but I think what is new now is this has become much more strategic in nature um, and much more central to the early preparation of launch because um, the medical affairs function is able to um, go out there and understand um, the way patients are being treated in the health system at the moment and care pathways and engage across stakeholders um, to understand what needs to be in place um, in order um, to ensure the health system and doctors are ready um, for a launch when it comes into um, the market. And of course, uh, we're also seeing some companies um, uh, bring in new functions that are health systems coordination managers and insights managers, um, whose job is to work um, across multiple stakeholders at a very early stage um, in order to um, do that landscape assessment um, and put in place um, a strategic plan um, to actually um, prepare um, the company um, and the healthcare system um, for the product um, when it is approved. Great. So it sounds like companies really need to be um, expanding and broadening their focus to also think a lot more about how they can prepare systems for their launch um, much earlier, um, at much more detailed and, and locally and really having a good understanding of, of these healthcare systems um, early on. So it sounds like it's something that's already um, really complex. Um, we know launch is a multifunctional activity um, and large pharma companies aren't, of course, just preparing one launch at a time. They're preparing multiple. Um, so can you tell us a bit about what we what we find um, in terms of the relationship between uh, large pharma companies that are launching a lot of products um, and how many excellent launches we found? Yep, it's a great question. So um, in fact, in the last two launch excellences, we've observed something that looks like a bit of a paradox when we're looking at companies and we're looking across all of the launches they have in a period of time. And we're looking at the um, hit rate um, of um, those companies in terms of um, the proportion of their launches that are excellent. So um, large companies um, will have to launch multiple products in a short space of time. Um, no large company um, is going to grow their top line with um, a single um, huge product, or at least it's um, very unlikely. Um, but what we see is the more launches that a company has in a given period of time in our study, um, the smaller the proportion of those launches that are excellent by our criteria, which are, of course, about commercial outperformance. There's an inverse relationship happening um, there. Um, and that's probably because the challenges of complexity in a multi-launch situation, you've got to think about competing budgets, competing time and attention at all levels of the um, company, um, because you've got multiple launches, and that's really complex. Those challenges outweigh um, the positive benefits of being in a multi-launch situation, which should be about the fact that you're developing unique and really valuable learning about what works well and transporting it across launches. Too often, companies don't really um, address that vital point well enough. Um, what we see in Launch Excellence 8 is that inverse relationship um, still exists. Um, it might be 
um, a little flatter than it was um, before, but it still exists. So the key challenge that um, companies need to um, address in this changed launch environment after the pandemic um, remains the same, which is um, to ensure, as well as addressing the three pillars of post-pandemic launch excellence, that they're able to do that consistently um, across countries for an individual launch and across launches um, for the whole of um, their launch activities. There's many things that companies can do to help address that, whether it's building um, a um, launch excellence program at a um, enterprise level um, to be able to um, encourage consistency and um, port um, learnings across um, countries, um, the right kind of um, operating, standard operating um, approaches, the launch playbook, um, and indeed, of course, measuring um, the path to preparation of the launch and the performance of the launch once it's um, on the market. Um, and we'd encourage all of these things. We'd encourage all of these things um, alongside an explicit plan to address the three pillars that we've talked about. So that's um, about healthcare system insight and preparation. Um, it's about um, optimizing the number of interactive engagement opportunities you have with healthcare professionals in an environment where interactive engagement um, is really challenged. Um, and it's about building um, the best possible integrated evidence strategy um, to make the case um, for your launches um, share of an increasingly challenged healthcare budget. We'll be carrying on um, this um, set of podcasts um, with further insight into each of these areas um, in um, subsequent episodes. Thank you. You've been listening to the IQVIA podcast. Learn more about how we help our customers and partners accelerate innovation in healthcare at IQVIA.com.